Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Murray Boise Barlin. And we're wondering who cares about telehealth? I care about telehealth. It's great to talk to you again, Murray. I've had a, a busy week and been looking forward to it. But I did listen to this and I thought I would like to ask you if you can help me understand the difference between the practice that you developed because of COVID and your face-to-face version thereof. What are the pros and cons and what what have you learnt? Yeah, wow, this is a wow, this is such a big one. So yeah, so I went to Zoom, used Zoom to try and stay connected to my um, elders that I was seeing through my mm creative engagement sessions and was very, very, very uncertain how it would go. So, yeah. and Sylvia, Sylvia, of course, we're talking about um, um, the, uh, the lovely uh, interview with uh, Sylvia Pfeiffer uh, about telehealth. So, so she talked about the duality of, you know, the two methods. And I have to mm-hmm. say that I was surprised at the, um, at my ability to cut through on Zoom with most people, whether they were living with uh, dementia um, on an early phase or a later phase, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a hundred percent strike rate. But what I learnt was, it turns things on its head so that the residents were visiting me instead of me visiting them. And Sylvia oh, talked a lot about seeing seeing the room and being able to see the background, especially in the mental health, uh, seeing the environment, yeah. their mental health. Uh, setting. So I, I guess I, I focused on that. And what I did was, and this is something that I was going to actually say, Daniela, was that what worked for me when I was using Zoom to creatively engage people, I realized that I had to treat it as an experience rather than a visual phone chat. Because I think this is where it can go wrong. Now, can you explain that like an experience as opposed to a visual Phone call. Phone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, okay, so what's different about Zoom is that you've got this little, you can put on a little laptop or an mm. iPad and you, it's portable. So you don't have to stay standing in front of or have a, you don't have to have a screen behind you with some sort of jungle or some sort of backdrop. <laughs> you don't have to stay in one spot. You can actually pick up your laptop and move and you can move about the house, around the garden. You can yeah. follow the dog, the puppy. My puppy featured greatly in the sessions. I was able to take, um, you know, friends out to the garden to see my flowering grevilleas. I was able to say my friend Ray, yeah. who was a builder under the house, I actually went under the house <laughs> with him to show him the steel the steel struts because we're in a, a flame zone region. So, so if you treat it as an experience where you can actually take people places, it works. It worked for me, and and also I was able to share the screen. So I could share the screen of various things that were of interest to individualised interests. Mm. Um, but also, if I didn't have anything, we could go on the net and search. I'd go, let's have a look and share my screen. Yeah, with yeah. Like, oh, that one there. So I, I don't know, and this has been an interesting discussion with some friends of mine at Ability Consultants who work in the disability space. I've been mm. trying to work out how we might find a balance between that for some of their consultations with their clients. Um but really focusing on the interest and personalising is still the, cre- the the crucial bit here. So it really is the skill, I think, of the of the facilitator or, or mm. the doctor or the nurse, I guess you would say, in this instance. It's their skill in making a connection early and then being able to elicit what information 
in and the health setting that you need. The, the other thing I would say is what I found interesting, and I think this was crucial, that at the moment in residential aged care, everyone's wearing face masks, mm. and I'm not going to do so. So smiles are back, as my friend Margie yeah. Roller says. They're reading all the cues come back for people, particularly people living with dementia. All the facial cues are back, and so what I found was. They're actually staring really firmly at the screen with a big smile because they were <laughs> reflecting my smile because they had one to reflect. Yeah. And the other thing too, Daniela, was people with hearing deficits. We we found as COVID hit and face mask went on that people were using they were lip reading so they could cover their hearing loss or to deal with their hearing loss. And all of a sudden with the face masks, people weren't able to understand any longer that we're coping fine in the setting yeah, yeah. and it was unknown. So so there are a number of pros and cons, but really does depend on the interaction on screen. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the hearing deficits, um, I was just thinking it would be even more possible um, to put sort of pop headphones on someone and get the volume just right, just, mm. just as it is that you can sort of make print bigger on a screen for people yes. who um, are, are sight impaired. But that so many interesting things I didn't think about, of course. But again, I'm, I've got a note listening to them. You kind of approached this idea of this Zoom interaction with a real spirit of, um, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And, and, and then a spirit of, well, what are the best part? What 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 can I do with Zoom that I couldn't do? You know, what are the possibilities? So again, there comes it's just the importance, not just in working with people who communicate differently, but um, just that spirit of curiosity of like this may be a total failure, <laughs> but I'm gonna jump in boots and all and and see what we can make of this. That's the first thing that I'll point out again that I continue to point out about your spirit. But the second, and that means, yeah, you're not coming in as I'm the expert um, engagement person and I've got an, an expert approach to engaging you on Zoom. It's like, uh, this could be <laughs> this could be really stupid, but let's go. So there's that humility as well. Um, those two things stand out to me about all your work, but I would say the power that you re that you referred to then, how important it is because you get to see people's bedroom and sometimes mm. you get to see them in their beds, mm. you know, and, and that they get to see Maury in his space. Like, you know, and, he, and you know what? His kitchen may be untidy. <laughs> oh yeah, there was lots of comments about the kitchen and the color, pink and grey. Oh, of course. <laughs> so there's something about that that I feel. I just have a feeling that that balances out a kind of power imbalance that they get to see you mm. in your environment is is important. Um, they're they're the two things that stand out to me about that. That kind of a bit of a power balance and and um, can I ask so. Everyone you engaged with in those sessions, had you already developed a relationship with them or at least seen them or did you sort of meet new people as well? There was a, there was a mix and um, 
there, there was a mix of, of both. And so, you know, creating, I, I did write something about my friend called Clary, who, who I had never met. I met him on Zoom and, and, and it was some weeks later that I met him in person. And um, and you know and of of course as as Sylvia pointed out there there are there is room for both because I have been asked if there's a space for both of my in person sessions and the Zoom and I think regionally like she talked about the power of of regional connection when people don't have access to specialists mm-hmm. um, there is there is that capacity to reach people that you wouldn't normally reach I I, I have to say that I was not at the beginning of the pandemic I really resisted technology as a solution but Sylvia you know Sylvia raised some points you know and again I approached I approached the episode with a bit of skepticism thinking oh you know I don't know about this telehealth stuff and I I have an experience of telehealth um, with my doctor Mm. and I was again because I was sitting on zoom so I know how this works (laughs) I I had a finger thing with my finger which I'll show you there that it's a bit of arthritis coming through on my finger um, because I'm getting old now and I was surprised at how the um, at how smooth it was, you know. Now the doctor yeah. I see has got a beautiful manner, and is we're already connected. So I guess the connection. What's interesting to me is what is how how do the um, telehealth experts connect? And my understanding, Danielle, and I don't know um, from Sylvia's point of view, but I know the guys at Ability that I've been working with are really putting a big effort into how to connect with their clients on telehealth, how best yeah, to do great. that, to individualise yeah. it. And I think I think we know the disability sector has some real front-running ways yeah. of looking at, at, at the people they work with. A um, thousand percent. Yeah. But, but you, the big surprise for me in all this was something I didn't know. Mm. She talked about wound as a specialist area. Oh, yeah. That was a very – now – I have to say I've been ignorant about this. I had no idea that it was so specialised and there was such a shortage of experts in this field. Do you – so you're nodding your head. Obviously, you know a lot about – or you know something well, of this, Sarah? Not a lot about, Maury, except to say that every um, every residential aged care space that I've worked in, either on the floor or consulting in, uh, wounds are, are a, um, a priority. And – Photos are taken of them. Um, they're kept inside care plans so that we can keep an eye and, and measured in terms of, you know, to keep an eye on how they're progressing. But getting the wound expert in is is really difficult in terms of um, getting them physically to come in. But I think I think that the whole telehealth thing, including, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about the idea that they can find even better ways to um, provide access to the same quality of health care that any other citizens um, can expect to have um, access to because I, I, I'm sure I've said before here and when I heard when I first heard the talk about people in rural remote not having access to specialists and I think there's a, like 200 towns or something without a GP, you know, Mm. in Australia, you know. So when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, aged care homes right in the middle of Melbourne are really essentially rural remote in terms of their access to specialists. It was very seldom that um, residents were sort of, oh, we've got to get this resident ready for the specialist visit. You know, I think that's 
hopefully becoming more normal. But if telehealth is a way to ensure that people have access to the same quality of um, uh, of healthcare that the rest of us have, then I think that's a no-brainer. That mm. absolutely, that's absolutely one way to go for sure. One of the services I work at, which I'll be going to today, which is a, a regional remote um, service, mm. struggles to get the geriatrician out. Yeah. You know, like there's, I think, five or six services that share this geriatrician. And so, you know, when something becomes acute, uh, it's difficult to get the geriatrician out. So I'm imagining, and I'm, I'll ask today, if they use the telehealth service and how they might be providing and working with that. Yeah, fantastic. Because obviously if there's practical, um, if there's a limited amount of geriatricians, if there's limit, limited amount of specialists, we have to find a way that citizens living um all around Australia and particularly in institutions have access to them. I think what it really highlights is how normalised, well, I know that when I was on the floor, how normalised it was that people didn't have access to mm. um, to specialists. It was just, well, that's the best we can do. And I think I think that's where the language and, and, and starting off from a rights basis would be that they're not a special group of people, these older people or people in institutions. They don't need special attention. They just want equal access to the to equal amount of and an equal quality of of healthcare and specialists that other citizens um, have access to. But getting to the practical things um, that Sylvia spoke about. So in your sessions, did um, how were they set up? Like who I supported. How did how how did, how was this, the Zoom turned on? Did someone sit with the person? That sort of thing. How mm. how did that unfold? So so we had two ways of doing it. So it this kind of this kind of approach takes its resource. I can, can be resource heavy, and and so it depends on how innovative each you know kind of individual is that works with you. Um, but obviously, it needs to be gen generally uh, until a person becomes so favoured with the technology, they do need to set it up. They need to be with them when the call starts mm -hmm. and to set and ensure that it's off and running. Um, obviously, they might come and go if if uh, if the particular resident is is able to mm -hmm. conduct it themselves if they they need assistance. Um, and sometimes there's that privacy thing where they feel it's better to to leave. So th there is the need for yeah. someone to get. <laughs> get the laptop, have it set up. But um, there was another way we did it which wouldn't suit telehealth, I, I don't think, where we had the laptop plugged into the screen above so all the elders would sit at the back and watch me interacting with, say, Laurie, who was mm. on the laptop in a one-on-one, -on -one, and they would watch the screen. And that setup was really quite um, simple and worked yeah, really yeah. well out of Denman where I'm going today. But um, then they would rotate the elders, so that required sometimes required some assistance. But, but you know, the other thing is is that two of the services that I go to have trouble with their Wi-Fi. Oh, Maury. Now, this is what I – this is really terrible. You have hit the nail on the head. So when working for one organisation um, that had, you know, 30-something homes uh, around sort of around Australia, uh, on the East Coast at least – I would 
it would be random as to their Wi-Fi access. Now, bear in mind, and this is so important to, to take it into account, that all of these people were on electronic care plans that were in the cloud. Oh. And yet there'd be dead spots in the actual aged care residents. And I can tell you, having worked with about nine organisations after that, um, I found exactly the same thing. So this is 2022. If you're going to have any kind of um, digital uh, care plan or um, or even even just so older people can access the world outside the home, if you don't have your internet access right, I mean, it's just, it's really, really, it's really not okay. It's not so okay. So don't worry about fancy advertising or yeah. um, hiring more people. Get the internet bit right because I would see people typing into information into progress notes and they'd type in a sentence and then it would take 10 seconds for the actual words to appear on the screen. Yeah. And do you know how frustrating that is when you run off your feet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I completely agree and and it is incredibly disabling um, and unfair if there's a group of citizens living in an institution that does not give them access to the internet that the rest of um, the citizens have access to there's a whole range of things that people require the internet for so that's a no-go I think no matter what People need to ensure that every one of their homes has fantastic internet access. It's two thousand and twenty-two. It's the, the sort of the bottom bit, bottom bit, you know, like yeah. uh, because you know, like I guess the the services I'm referring to that you know, like they they have struggled, you know, with and, and are discouraged from using technology. And then when COVID hit, the time that they needed the technology, yeah, it let them down. And I don't know that it's been sorted yet. So, so yes, I think it's really crucial that services figure out the, the Wi-Fi. I, um, I could not agree more. And, and that, why it took COVID know. to – sorry, but why it took COVID mm. to do this as well. See, that's the other thing that, that I think is a bit frustrating. Well, people, people like to stay in their comfort zone. I know that the groups I've worked with who are transferring from paper-based to digital – um, you know, there's so much resistance. There's a whole change management piece there mm. around resistance. But I did note that Sylvia sort of said um, the idea that there'd need to be a nurse practitioner or RN to do the family role, that isn't how things work in the real world in aged care. It'd be the personal carer who spends most time with that resident who's going to notice what happens when that resident wakes up. And if we already have established that the specialist is writing their notes into the electronic documentation of the organisation. This is the difficulty, isn't it, for all of us that come into aged care, like, and, and I include myself in, in this, you know, as opposed to you who's worked on the floor and worked through the system and worked at different levels. But you're working on the floor now, Maureen. Well, yeah, you are that, on that's true. But, but if I just even look at, you know, like my short, that my shortcomings in knowledge in terms of wound care, for example, which has been, oh, my God, I didn't really realise that this existed. It, it's it's important that we have a lot of stakeholders informing 
when these developments come forward. You know, there was there was a great, and I wish I could remember who it was, and I think it was a company that might have worked in transport, and, and the new CEO came in and said, hands up, he listened to the meeting and said, okay, hands up who makes stuff. And they'll put their hands against, what do you make? And he goes, oh, I, I make the... Um, I make the statements and he goes, no, no, no. I don't mean make statements. I don't mean like administrative stuff, right? And it's important. Who makes things? And they were like, what do you mean? He says, who makes this stuff? And they went, oh, the guy's down here and this guy and he makes that. He says, okay, why are none of them here? Yeah. <laughs> why are none of them here in this meeting? Yeah. So he got them all up and they were all annoyed about it and the meeting took extra long, but they worked out all this. And one of the things they found was that when they put the train together, they put the air conditioning unit in. Someone had to come and undo the air conditioning unit and move it out so they could paint inside it. <laughs> and they're like, well, why do you do that? Let's not put the air conditioning. But we've always done that. Well, we're not going to yeah, do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's having those the people that want mm. the spanner turners, he called them, the, mm -hmm. having the spanner turners in the room because they know how it works. And, I just, and this is really, I think, another thing that we need to come back to in our modern life as the world spins faster and faster, Daniela, we seem to be cutting out those that really have the knowledge on the floor of what it takes to bring these fancy and very important uh, innovations to life. I could not agree more. So even, even in terms, I cannot tell you how many times I've sat at a table with um, architects and designers <laughs> and um, board members who have come up with this fantastic design and plan for a, maybe a small household building or a, um, a, a luxurious sort of aged care space. And, and, I'll, and believe me, I'm not, like, I'm definitely not expert in this, but looking at the plans, I can see, well, wait a minute, you've just simple things like, You've put the, a linen a linen cupboard down the very end of a hallway. Mm. Do you understand what that means in the real world? And the door to the medication room is just going to be really difficult to get a medication trolley through and it means the nurse is going to have to hold it with her shoulder while she tries to pull and there's going to be injuries. And And did you know that I can I can actually plot someone's mobility the trajectory of it by their room number and and distance from the dining room and and people you know there's all of those sorts of yeah, things that um that are missing from from it's from day one i think what what are we building what is the purpose and why and who's going to work in it and that includes well how many rooms are you going to be putting in what people call a unit or what? Because this is going to be staff members working in pairs and they'll be working in different sections of that. And if you're planning to have this many staff hours, that's not going to work. Mm. So you have to have, you know, all of those things in place before you even, in your mind, before you even start determining how many rooms, where the rooms are going to be and what you propose they'll be used for. It might sound really good to us to have a room where there's a pool table so the men can go and play pool and have a chat. But then we need to have a talk about the fact that 60% of those men are going to be probably in wheelchairs or unable mm. to um, be at a pool table without, you know. And this really all feeds back into um, just making places 
universally accessible for everyone. And I don't think that's that's ever more necessary than in a in a sort of a a physical de- design that proposes to support the very people that it's being designed for. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I. I, I think I mean I just I do remember seeing some. Have you seen those um, vegetable beds that they could wheel for? Mm-hmm. And they're at a yeah that, that you yeah. know at a height where someone sitting in a ch- wheelchair can access them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen those recently, which I think are a, a fabulous idea. Hey, good talking to you. Can you turn the rain off? Oh, no, look, we need the rain. Yeah, but just turn it down a bit. Okay, it's a lot okay. of rain. Listen, Rory, you're brilliant. I've learned so much today. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with Teleconnection. And yours on the floor and your knowledge. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I will see you this time next week. Excited to see you again, Rory. Bye. Bye.